This is the More Than Work podcast, where we talk all about how to gain more satisfaction in your job. It's possible to enjoy your life and your work, because business is personal. Hey, More Than Workers. Today, we're going to talk about a very interesting topic. But before we get into our topic, we need to celebrate a little bit, because today, you are listening to a very special episode. And by very special, we're going to do something fairly normal today, actually. We're going to cover a different topic. But this is our 100th episode, gang. Woo, 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 woo! Beep, 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 beep. Those are our sound effects. Yay! We don't have the best sound effects even after a hundred episodes. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Yeah, pretty good about it. We're not one of those heavily, heavily produced podcasts. We do edit things that we go through here, but we don't add a lot of sounds and sound effects and things like that, you know. But but look, we guys, hundred episodes. Can you believe it? It's been a hundred episodes. Why do we keep? Why do we keep doing this? That's my question. Why do we keep jumping on these? on these recordings and we talk about topics and we put it out there. Why do we keep doing this team? This is just a huge intervention for Matt. And I don't think he's getting it. <laughs> Nobody thought it would take this long. We don't actually even publish this. This is just to, for as our excuse for having conversation with Matt on a regular basis. We wow. Yeah. yeah. hundred episodes. That's a lot of, that's a lot of roll time. That's a lot of edit, editing that goes on behind the scenes. I've never, I've never done any of that part of it, but I hear it's very cumbersome and there's a lot of work that goes behind the, behind the scenes here. That's also a lot of, uh, that's also a lot of time for, for you all listening to this. Like if you have made it, if you have successfully made it for the 100 episodes here, uh, we hear from, from listeners quite a bit, actually fairly, fairly often of people listening here. If you have been along for the ride, pat yourself on the back. That's diligence, right? That's sticking with it there. We appreciate uh, you staying with us there and sharing the podcast too. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that one of the, we hear when we go to conferences, there are people, people will share, Hey, we listen to your podcast. We really, really enjoy it. We got some good insight. I know that I like to do it because I like to hear people apply the things that they talk about. It's fun to look and see we have listeners and people to say, hey, we pick on Diana too much or those types of things that we hear back from listeners. But it's even more fun to hear people say, hey, I applied that thing to my job and it really changed something for me. It made my, it made me a better leader. It made me enjoy my job better. It made me a better manager. It made me better at home, whatever those things are. I think that's why we do it. I see our whole team nodding a lot. That's that's why we're into this 100 100th time 100th podcast so i think i think i think in addition to that too like i i do i do hope people gain insights from this these are just kind of fun to do too like for me personally it's just kind of fun to get on we're on a zoom call if you don't know the background of this we're on a zoom call so we can see each other's non-verbals the whole time i'm looking right at diana she is looking back at me disapprovingly which is fairly often but i'm looking at i'm i'm looking at my team right now and it's just fun to get together as a team and just hey let's throw some of these topics out in the middle and then just just interact on these one of the things that i do here too that people appreciate is that there's five of us working for the same company but our approach or perspective is often you know different depending on who you're talking to and and i think that that also makes it fruitful yeah, it's fun for us to get together. We have fun doing this and yeah. we interact a lot. And sometimes we have more stuff unrecorded than we do recorded. We were talking about that before. <laughs> so sometimes it's not always the most productive thing for our team, but sometimes I think you have to allow your team to be a team, to be a good team. Yeah. Allow sure. your team to be a team, to be a good team. There we go. Write that Trademark. down. It's a bumper sticker. Trademark. Golden yeah. nuggets by Don. 
Golden I'm going to turn it into a meme or something. Golden Nuggets. <laughs> that would be a good it. meme. That would be a good meme. But today we wanted to talk about plane crashes. So what are we talking about in terms of plane crashes? United, Flight 173. This is a flight that took off from, I think it was from, it departed, let's see, it was uh, Denver to Portland, Oregon was the flight. This occurred back in uh, 1978 and it was flying to Portland and halfway there, they are almost there, I guess they're approaching the airport, they went to uh, engage the landing gear and there was a really loud pop inside the cabin everybody felt it. it there's usually a little bit of a pop whenever landing gear comes down but this was a louder than normal this was like something's wrong kind of thing and their light in the cockpit showed that the one of the landing gear wheels did not come down all the way so a whole series of events occurred where the pilots they went into a holding pattern around the airport circling around trying to figure out how could they fix the landing gear something's wrong with landing gear is landing gear really down if we do land without the landing gear how are we going to make sure that the passengers are as safe as possible and while they were doing that they were so focused on that part of it they ran out of gas and crashed it's a horrible story. It was actually a pretty amazing when they ran out of gas, the pilot actually did a remarkable thing in terms of how they did land them. And a lot of the people did survive the actual crash. Uh, most of the people actually survived the crash. However, what's interesting about it is how the pilot was so focused on this problem with the landing gear that they lost focus. They got tunnel vision and they lost focus on running out of gas. What's also interesting is whenever you listen to the recording from the cockpit, the co-pilot and the engineer who were also in the cockpit also saw that they were running out of gas, like saw that coming, but they were unable to communicate it effectively to the pilot. They just kept doing whatever the pilot said to do, which ended up with them literally running out of gas and running short of the airport, even though they were literally circling the airport for an hour. Uh, so we thought that was an interesting story, one, because we fly a lot. And so it's always nice and to, uh, we're flying tomorrow, so <laughs> yeah. that'll be fun. That's, that's part of that. But the other part that is really, we want to talk about is how that impacts us as leaders. Are there moments where we as leaders get tunnel vision? Do we get overly focused on something and it causes us to miss something else? What are our blind spots as people inside companies? What are the, what do those look like? Uh, I shared a story earlier where I was talking to a leader about blind spots and, and he said, well, I don't have any blind spots. And we were laughing about that a little bit because it's like, well, how would you know if you don't have any blind spots or literally blind spots? So we're going to talk about how that impacts organizations. We're going to talk a little bit about what can you do if you see other people who maybe have blind spots or are getting that tunnel vision or missing something. And then also, finally, how can you catch how can you catch that for yourself that you have maybe have a blind spot? So. We've got everybody here with us, our whole team. We have Bethany, who's with us here. Bethany, do you have any blind spots? Probably. Yes, that's Probably. the right answer. Probably, yeah. <laughs> Probably do. Yeah. We've got, we've got, and I do this so that everybody knows the voices because I know it's a podcast. You can't see us. So we do this so everybody knows who you're talking to. And Mary, Mary, do you, does Bethany have any blind spots? Hmm. She just turned her camera off. Yes. <laughs> now we can talk about her. Now we can talk Let's about her. I'm not here. Just oh. Yeah. oh, sorry. We were blind to seeing you. That was awkward. 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 Yep. Diana, have you ever had tunnel vision on something? I think I have tunnel vision on everything. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I think I I'm very laser focused on oh, things that are. She 
she made a positive out of it that's good yeah. a laser focus yeah so how does that look right it's focused because <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's it's a good point because like on that that united flight like the pilot was doing a lot of very very good things like they talked about that very good things about the landing gear like very very innovative approach to trying to figure out what was going on with the landing gear just missed the fact that they were about to run out of gas right so yeah that's something that impacts all of us and then as always our host mr matt griswold who's going to take us through the, our blind spots here it is kind of weird being the host of this and also the only one that has no blind spots on the call. So I'll do my best to try to navigate us through this, to try to navigate us through this conversation. I know that you all want to say things, but your turn's over. It's my turn now. My my turn now to be able to to lead this part of the conversation. <laughs> Bethany's back. Hey, Bethany. Good to see you again. I just needed to give you an eye roll. <laughs> oh, oh, that's why you came back. All right. So, uh, you know, I think I think this episode, by the way, if you downloaded this episode, you're listening to it on a plane, your landing gear is probably fine. Everything's probably everything's probably fine. Don't even don't even worry about them. But I think that's a good illustration, Don, of what it is that we're talking about. Maybe a little bit aggressive illustration. Like, yes, it could lead to to that, like missing the air, airplane. We missing the idea of gas. But but as as a leader, this is it, it kind of reminds me of the um, topic we talk about and you talk about it as well. But the executive quicksand. The idea that we're so focused on so many other things with this, you know, like Diana just said, I have laser intent, like I'm so focused on these things, but what that focus creates are these opportunities for things that we're also missing along the way. You know, you tell a great story of the of the the leader that got to a certain point, he climbed the mountain because he had laser focus, but then he realized he had the epiphany, like I'm here, but I'm also miserable. And those are things that maybe he was blind to along the way. Like we're missing some things along the journey because of the laser focus that we have. So I think this topic is relatable, right? Yeah, we know a lot of executives who become razor focused on their career and razor focused means I'm going to achieve some position or some role within the company. And but then they look around and they're like, and now I've made it and I'm unhappy. I don't have good control of my life. I haven't focused on who I need to be and how what kind of impact I need to make on other people. So there. Yeah, it's it's taking that moment to not be too razor focused. Yeah. Now you said razor. I said laser. Maybe they both mean the same thing. It's really uh, razor, laser focused. It's, razor, it's laser. If you're razor, laser focused. <laughs> razor right. focus is like sharp, but laser also is like also very focused. So that Gotta I think stay both sharp. Are applicable. Yeah. yeah. Both, both are applicable. Matt's obviously doing a great job of staying razor laser focused <laughs> well i just know there's probably some people listening so the the idea of, of this you know with the tunnel vision is that okay so uh we we think that you know you take the positive side of that being labor fo- laser focused and, and consistently shooting for the mark but that also increases our opportunity for blind spots so first question i wanted to point and we could go around and say hey everybody share your blind spots but we're 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 blind to those so we might not we might not know those things but i think a better opportunity maybe for this is recognizing that that's that that is something that we potentially could fall into recognizing maybe we've we've also fallen into that before what are some things that right now that maybe you are doing or people can do to to help increase your opportunity to be able to become more aware of those blind spots because of the tunnel vision that we have like are there some intentional things that people can do to maybe put some checkpoints in place to be able to make sure that we're not missing these blind spots? I think one of the I think one of the most important things is to have psychological safety with your coworkers and your peers and your family members and those people that are around you and in your circle. So you create those relationships with them to where you can say, "Hey, I really 
am going to go, I'm going to go get her. In my example, I'm a go-getter here. So I will go and, and just run through everything I can to get something accomplished and have it done by the time it needs to be done. And sometimes I don't see the other things that are going on there. So having people that are in my circle that can say, hey, did you did you think about this? Hey, did you think about that? Hey, what were your thoughts about this? And just being able to ask me those questions and then you know, not getting upset about somebody asking me those questions, knowing that, that I asked for that partnership and knowing that that partnership is given to me. And and I think that that's really valuable when you're, when you're trying to get things accomplished. Yeah. I love that, Mary. And I, I was going to say something like partner for performance, psychological safety. You know, I think I get very focused on the things in my role, right? Like I am focused on the money. I am focused on the procedure. I am focused on the policy, but it takes Dawn to pull me out of that and say like, Hey, let's also focus on the goals or on the team or on each other. Like, let's pay attention to some of these other things that are going on, but not, it doesn't, it's not just him saying that he has to also share the why with me. So I think in the example of the pilot, like the pilot was very focused on that landing gear and the co-pilot was very focused on the gas, but neither one of them told each other why they were so focused on that thing. And so I think if the co-pilot had been like, Hey, uh, pilot, I am very focused on the gas because we are going to run out. I think that would have been a more impactful conversation. So I think when Don and I are doing this, he focuses on strategy and vision and innovation in the team. And I focus on all the little details behind that. But then when we get together, he says, here's where I'm focused and why. And I say, great, here's where I'm focused and why. And then we can make better decisions together because we've like partnered to make those decisions. And we both are looking in different places. Yeah. It takes a lot of communication up front to be able to build that trust so that you can get to that point so that you can kind of call each other out. Like if you wait until that moment where somebody's focused on the wrong direction, it's awful. Like you can't do that. So you have to have that relationship that you've built up over time. It's why you have to have conversations that you don't know the purpose of with your team. Sometimes we have people who will say like, I don't, I don't have a reason to talk to you. I'm not going to talk to you because that's wasting time. No, you have a reason because you have to build those relationships before you need to use them. Uh, and I think this is an area where you have to build that up before you need it. You know, this is, it reminds me of the conversation that we work to install within organizations called the check-in process between manager and employee. You know, some of these conversations we've been having right now, we're talking really peer-to-peer, like on a team level. What if I, let's talk specifically manager to employee. Sometimes I'm going to talk to you, manager, right now of employees. Your employees are doing their best to try to do a great job. And sometimes they are misguided on the things that they are doing. They're doing the things that they think that they need to do in order to be able to do the best job for you. And we don't help them enough prioritize the things and their time to do the things that that we want them to be doing as manager. And so we have this check-in process that encourages an intentional conversation from a manager to employee. And really, you know, some people, it's not uncommon for us to install that. And then it kind of goes by the wayside and people get, people get, you know, well, work happened. I didn't have time to do it. I didn't have an opportunity to do it. Like I talk to him every time anyway, it's fine. But this, this is a different type of conversation. It's one of those checkpoints that you could kind of put install indirectly for your employees so that that can help them see maybe blind spots that they have. You know, it's those conversations like where ultimately are you trying to go? Uh, what are the things that that you need to be trained on? What are the certifications that you need? The, those types of things. What obstacles are in your way that are not allowing you to perform at your peak at your peak, right? It's asking those intentional questions. The goal of that, yes, is for relationship, but the goal of that also is to help 
let's 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 maybe take take a minute reflect and see some things that we wouldn't normally see by asking some of these questions that that we uh that we need to ask too so that's something that we that we work to install for the relationship but also to help uh help eliminate those blind spots in the work area too might be something for you to look into if you're a manager of people unfortunately sometimes our blind spots are shown to us through conflict (laughs) and i think it's important for us to know that like Sometimes we, yeah, we're not thinking about it. We're not trying to be, you know, we're not trying to not see those things, but sometimes it comes to a head like in our relationships or in the workplace and something comes up and somebody's mad at you because why aren't you doing this or why didn't you see this or whatever? And you might be over here thinking like, what, what, (laughs) wait, what do you mean? And I think there's like, that's a really valuable moment to be able to say, to be able to take that and recognize that maybe that is a blind spot for you and to, to use that moment as an opportunity to just kind of open up your mind a little bit or look into that thing or hear the, what the other person is saying and using that as an opportunity to learn instead of just like fighting back. Hopefully you can make that happen before there's actually conflict, but sometimes that's the best way for us to make Sometimes that's the best way for us to be made aware of it. I think what you say is, is great there, you know, and, and it's kind of a negative. We're talking about, okay, so unfortunately conflicts, if conflict encourages the conversation, but even taking a step, step back further for context, like let's continue to follow that path. Like this idea of tunnel vision and laser focus, laser razor focused on the things that I am doing leads to blind spots. What do those blind spots ultimately lead to within an organization? Like how might it rear its head? We get those phone calls from employee owners or, or maybe directors. And there's, they're not saying, yeah, I think we have some blind spots. Sometimes they might say that, but they're also they're using different words to describe what's happening, which might lend itself to say, we have some blind spots here. Like what are the traits or detriments to an organization of the blind spot caused by tunnel vision? It, it can like impact your basic performance as an organization. Like I've seen it. Like if you've ever been on a team where they did something where it was like, boy, that was really dumb uh, because it sounds like circling an airport and then crashing because you run out of gas is a dumb thing to do, but it's not dumb. It's not, it's not because the pilot was dumb or inexperienced. They were very experienced pilots. It was because they were focusing on the wrong things. So I think that sometimes if we're really focused on the wrong things, you can see performance start to suffer, which I think is another reason why we really do advocate for things like great game of business or really tracking key financial metrics or key performance indicators, because you want to see like, okay, all the things that we're doing, we feel really good about it and we're heading the right direction, but it's having a negative impact on our performance overall. So the team can at least see that uh, and then be really clear about how to address that. So yeah, it, it, it impacts everything that you do, not just the relationships, it impacts performance of the team. Mm-hmm. I was also thinking about like one way that we've seen this is whenever um, a leader within an organization is focusing on, they're not focusing on the like high performing, like really great employees that they want to retain. And they're focusing on the really toxic people who they're just struggling with. And so their blind spot is they're great people (laughs) and they haven't given any attention to them. And then you lose really good talent. And because you were over here, like in the weeds of, of just the messy stuff, which it's not that you don't have to like address that and figure that out, but you can't ignore your really high-performing engaged employees either. I think that's another blind spot that we see sometimes. Yeah. I, 
I definitely think that one's one. And I also think that when people start saying things like they just aren't getting it, or I've told them this six times, I think that shows that there's a clear disconnect between what you're focused on versus what you're saying or what other people are focused on. It's sort of like, you know, if Don kept saying, but Diana, I want to do this thing. And I kept saying, yeah, I know. I hear you. And then I was focused on something else and like trying to save money or something. Like, I think it just shows the glaring disconnect there when you keep saying the same things over and over. I've told you this four times. I, you're just not getting it. Like it, I think it shows that one person is focused one way and the other person is focused somewhere else. Yeah. I also think we hear it a lot with leaders who say, you know, I'm constantly fighting fires. Well, fighters are, fires by their nature are hot and bright and they attract your attention. So the question is like, while you're fighting the fires, what other things are you not doing? And a lot of times, unfortunately, especially if you're the person in charge of a team or in charge of a company, you're the only one that can do a lot of the things that you probably would need to do to help a team. Like you being distracted by the thing over here and saying, well, I got to, I got to address this is preventing you from doing a job that maybe nobody else can do, which holds a lot of companies back from, from being able to grow, from being able to empower other people. It's kind of a cousin of that idea of like, we focus on our difficult employees, not our best employees. Sometimes that's, it's, it's a cousin of that. I think ultimately it starts to lead, you know, we, we talk about tunnel vision. It's very closely mirrored to this other idea of siloed communication, like tunnel, tunnel vision, where we are going directly here without looking at our, out of our peripherals or the side mirrors as we're going, we're creating these silos within the organization too, which is kind of automatically, indirectly, involuntarily cutting us off from other opportunities or other people starts to build these different silos within the organization, which also starts to create this us versus them kind of a mentality there. Like, these are the things you might be feeling like, Maybe we hit on something that you're like, yeah, us versus them. That's where we are. But it might, it might be, you know, a result of great intentions, maybe good direction, but we had some blind spots about bringing people along too. We, you know, we, we also, we worked to launch uh, core teams. This is another thing. We worked to launch core teams, a group of cross-functional multi-level individuals within an organization. And we say, what ideas for improvement do you have to be able to help us achieve some of the things we're trying to achieve? And these employees will bring up stuff. They'll bring up stuff. And we take that back to the leadership and the leadership is going, I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't, I didn't know they felt like that. I, I, why, why are they concerned about that? Or where is that coming from? And sometimes that's how, you know, just by simply interacting with those folks can help us uh, eliminate some of those blind spots too. Mm -hmm. Another example I was thinking about with, because you guys know, I love like organizational design and org charts and all of that. But one thing that I see here often is when we think about like, oh, when we're talking about check-ins or like how, how a manager is managing a team and it's like, well, they're, they, they haven't been effective at it, or they're not doing their check-ins. Like they're not meeting with their people and talking to them. And then we say, okay, let's look at the org chart. And they're like, what? <laughs> and we look into it and we're like, oh, that's because they have 50 employees. And they're like, wait, it's not because they don't want to do their check-ins or they don't want to talk to their people or they're, they want it, they're, they're intentionally being a bad manager. It's that they cannot, they cannot do it, you know? So there's things that we look at that we think like, oh, we could get really laser focused on this thing of like, why are they not doing their job? Well, maybe they can't. Maybe we aren't looking at the whole picture. 
Yeah. And, and again, that the whole picture being able to look at the whole picture is what helps us eliminate the blind spot. So it feels like we've gone around the table several times going, Oh, and there's this, or, Oh, and this is also what it looks like, or, Oh, this is another example of what that looks like. I think we've painted a pretty good picture for, for what it is and maybe even why it's impactful in a negative way. How do you get out of it? What, what if I'm that person going, heck up, this is where I am. This, I, I get it. Like I, I feel it. This is, I didn't have a name for it. I was just being frustrated by other people around me because they weren't doing the things that I thought they needed to be doing. Or I was frustrated by my team because of the things that they were asking for seemed silly or didn't weren't in line with the direction that I'm trying to take them. Like, how do we get out of this idea of tunnel vision? I, I think what's kind of interesting from that, I'm going to go back to that flight example that United 173 one of the things that they thought was very interesting when they listened to the flight recorder was that the the it wasn't that they even lacked the knowledge. They had all the knowledge. They had everything that they needed. So what they did and United and it wasn't United. It was the National Transportation Board, and they started to add this training that was basically communication training. And what the communication training it was two parts to that. It was one in saying if you're not the pilot, if you're a co-pilot or you're an engineer or you're a flight attendant, and you see a problem. How do you assertively communicate that to your leader, to the person who's in charge, so that they hear the message, so that you're not just kind of saying, hey, are you watching the fuel tank? Because those are the kinds of things that they said in that cockpit at the time. So that has made a big difference. And then the other thing is they trained also the pilots on how to be more open to ideas and things that are expressed to them and to go to other people. So that's the idea. Like if you're stuck in the fire phase or you're stuck in, in whatever it is that you're stuck in, uh, that executive quicksand that we talked about, sometimes the best thing to do is go to your people and say, I'm stuck. I need help. Help me get out of this. Who's got a really good idea? Who can help me to get past this? That has been credited, by the way, in the airline industry has made incredible safety advancements, especially over the last you know 50 years. And one, one person on the show I was watching about that crash said that communication training, which is still standard and still done, is largely credited with greatly, greatly, greatly reducing human errors in flights, just because they found that most of the time the knowledge exists. It's just literally how we talk with each other. Yeah, I remember a time where one of my managers came to me and said, hey, I really want to do this thing, but I feel like you are resisting me and that thing. Why? And it was such a good question because internally I knew I was resisting it, but I thought I was doing it like, well, obviously I was not doing it well. I was actively resisting it. And I was like, well, because if we do this, then this happens, right? And then this happens and this happens. And I kind of like laid it all out. And the manager was just like, why didn't you just tell me that? Why didn't you just tell me that like, I wasn't paying attention to those things, right? Because my manager wasn't looking where I was looking. They had vision on something else. And so it was a good conversation because he was very kind. And he just said, like, I think you're resisting me and I don't understand it. Instead of quit resisting me, go do the thing. He asked the question and wanted to know more information about what was going on with me? Because, you know, generally I'm going to go do the work. Right. But I think he saw that there was something. And so he asked the question and I think Bethany, you're also very good at asking the right questions to get information out of people. And I think when you start asking the questions and seeking to understand more, then you'll see where your blind spot is or where their blind spot is or where both are. And as we seek to wrap up, I think that leads itself right to uh, I'm going to I'm going to jump in first here with my one of my takeaways here. It, it Don, you just said it. Diana just said it. 
as well. But like, here's the takeaway that I would have as far as this topic is concerned. If I'm a manager of people, have you done a good job of creating space, a safe space for your team to be able to approach you with your blind spots? Have you done a good job of creating an environment where they feel comfortable approaching you to be able to raise a flag of concern for maybe a direction that would they feel like we're going, that they don't understand where they're going there, or maybe maybe there's a blind spot that you have. Have you, have you created a space where your people feel comfortable to be able to bring you those types of things? I think that's 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 definitely my takeaway. I would just kind of mimic that um, vulnerability in leadership. I think that's one that's a powerful thing to have, and then humility too, right? So accepting that people are going to have conversations with you and give you that feedback and then being able to reflect on that and not get overly emotional about it. Yeah. I think mine is just simply understand that we all have blind spots. Every single one of us, everyone on your team has them, you have them. And so if you can recognize that not everyone sees the same things that you see and you don't see what they see, just starting there at a baseline is going to help you move forward in communication and trust and that vulnerability and that humility and all of those other things that we talked about. I think you have to, I think you have to first recognize every single one of us has our blind spots. Even if we feel like we're showing and transparent and all of that stuff, it just, we all have it. Then I think you have to constantly seek out those blind spots. Like I think you have to be constant mission of thinking about what that is. And to do that, you have to do things a little bit differently than you typically do them. You might take some people that you really trust out to lunch and just say, what, what are some, what's something about me that people don't tell me? or something like that. I mean, looking for those types of things. We've done some things like 360 assessments with people, but there's things that sometimes you have to deliberately seek it out, especially the higher up you are in your company, because there's a risk for people telling you that your baby's ugly, you know? So a lot of times people won't tell you those things. So you really do have to seek those things out. Yeah. I think one way that you can do that to seek things out too is, and this doesn't work in every situation, but I think there are certain ways that you can like build it into your process as like a checkpoint to say like, okay, whether that's through like hiring or whether that's through like, you know, in that situation, like whenever you're, whatever the process is that they, that they follow for flying, you know, that's probably a bad example um, in this case specifically, but there's, I think, ways specifically, we were talking about this with, we work with hospitals a lot. So like in the surgical room, like I'm sure they have a, they have a general process that they are following in there, but how do you build, build into your process an opportunity to say, okay, this is the direction I'm going, but I'm going to stop and I'm going to pause right here and I'm going to like get input or make sure we're going to check in some way. We're going to make a checkpoint to, to make sure that we're not missing anything or that I'm, that we're seeing things clearly or to get other input or to do some research on this thing, whatever that might look like. Yes, all great. Great. Uh, I think we, I think we laid out the idea of why we're talking about this. I think it's relevant. 100 episodes. Do you think that was, this was a great, uh, you know, great talking point for our 100 episode? I can't wait till we do our 200th episode. That's going to be even wow. better, right? We're just going to keep, yeah. keep on going. We're just going to keep throwing these out to everybody. But yeah, I mean, it's still fresh. What's fun is like, we haven't run out of topics. Like we still have stuff that we still want to talk about. People still who listen to the podcast regularly keep asking us about stuff. This stuff is hard. Like it's hard to learn about leadership and people. It's icky. It's gross. Sometimes it's really <laughs> rewarding at other times. So we're going to keep exploring it from different directions. And the fun thing about all this, and I think Matt, you referred to this at the beginning when we talked about this in terms of the podcast is that our team does not just spend our time doing podcasts. 
we spend most of our time working with real organizations, real leaders, doing coaching, doing facilitation, diving and getting our hands dirty, which is why we're not running short of content because we have lots of stories that we can share from those experiences. And the other thing I'll say is some of you are listening, think, okay, we might be talking about you. My experiences were probably not. A lot of the experiences that we do have amongst organizations are very common with each other. We do start to see patterns that exist. So that kind of hopes, hopefully you hear that and you realize that you're not alone in all of this in terms of struggling to become a better leader, a better team and becoming more empowered and aligned. Yes, but I do want to make the caveat that if we have a blind spot, if we are missing something or not talking about something that we should be talking about, that's where we need you to come and tell us. So please come come share with us if you think, man, you guys are really missing something big and I wish you guys would talk about this or I haven't heard this before. Please tell us that too. Yeah, you can email us directly at more than work at peopleccg.com. You can contact us through our website, it's peoplecentric.com, or you can find us on social media and our handles are at peopleccg or at peoplecentric, and you can find us there and chat us up. We'll listen. We want to hear it. Yeah. Yep. As always, please share the share the podcast, subscribe, tell other people about it, bring us content, bring us questions, bring us feedback. Uh, say hi to us if you see us out and about, maybe at, a, at an event or wherever we are uh, in the country there. Feel free to tap us on the shoulder and start a conversation. We're always eager to to uh, meet and greet and, and talk to people as well. So thank you all so much for listening. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the More Than Work podcast. Join us next time. And in the meantime, lead well.